0: I apologize for being a crackerjack lawyer and winning the approval of my superiors despite your efforts to undermine me.
1: Excuse me, I don't think you're the injured party here, William.
0: Oh, no? You verbally assaulted me in front of Sweetelson and Darden. I knew you wanted that second chair just as bad as I did, but my god, woman, I never took you as a sore loser. I am not a sore loser. You cut me off and you stole my idea. I didn't steal your idea. I didn't hear you. Would you give me the benefit of the doubt? Why should I? Because I'm your friend.
2: Welcome, everyone. We're back again. This is Nettie. And this is at Zero. Thank you for being back with us again for another installment of Oh Hell Yes, A Girlfriends podcast. Today, we will be talking about friends, colleagues, brothers from season one, episode 16 of the wonderful sitcom Girlfriends. If you guys don't know already, it is on Netflix. It is, so there's no excuse for you guys not following along. It's on Netflix. So Etsy, what'd you what'd you think of this
3: episode? It kind of made me feel I some type of way. I enjoyed it. Um, the uncomfortable conversations are needed. I they enjoyed are. it, and I thought I I like the 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 difference in them attacking different things that women go through, but in different ways with the two storylines. So,
2: oh yeah, I love how they do that sometimes when they pair up two different characters having the same problems but in slightly different manners. Mm-hmm. I peeped that it, was, it happened actually in. Um, the previous episode as well, with Maya, initially it was like, I don't know how to tell Darnell that he has a problem, that it could be mm-hmm. a problem with him as to why we can't have a baby. And then uh, Joan was like, oh, uh, I don't know how to tell Sean how he's not satisfying me in bed. So it's kind of like, how mm-hmm. they do that is very, very nice to show that. But yeah, whew, this one kind of made me feel like, ah uh, great conversation to have, but I felt kind of icky inside in some of, on some of the parts.
3: Yeah, it was definitely hard to watch.
2: Yeah. But before we get into uh, friends, colleagues, and brothers, we're going to get into a couple of tweets about that episode we just mentioned with uh, with Sean, and um, it's actually called Old Dog from last week, and uh, we got a couple tweets of note autumn rain underscore says the episode of girlfriends where maya finds out she has a fibroid on her uterus really hits home for me fibroids are widely common amongst black women and i love 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 that this episode shines a light on that this show was really made for black women y'all yes it was mm-hmm. and for us by us it was a great platform to talk about that particular issue especially hearing it when i was younger i was like oh, wow, you know, this this is an issue. So mm-hmm. I'm glad they did tackle that, and this is a definitely a great platform for that. Um, second, we have Imaginary Margot. What's up? Nisi from Moesha is in this episode of Girlfriends. Not just Shar Jackson, Nisi the character, proving again that Moesha and Girlfriends shared a universe. Girlfriends could have answered Moesha cliffhanger questions. That is actually a very good point. A lot of these shows, these black shows that were on UPN back in the day, all mm-hmm. share the same universe, which is really cool. There are there are some cliffhangers from Oisha that um, could have been answered, but the same could also be said for the game, because mm-hmm. the game is a spinoff of Girlfriends, right? Yep. So they could have, we could have asked Melanie, like, yo, did your cousin Joan, like, get married? Like, what the fuck happened? That could have been a thing. Child. They could have done an
3: episode. You know, the way they did these black shows. Dirty. Yeah, they just cut off in the middle.
2: Like we never find out what happens to these people that we invested our lives in for years and years. No closure, no nothing. Nothing like nothing. So that would have actually been been cool if they could. But you never know. There might be a reboot on the way. Who knows? I'm being optimistic about <laughs> about all this stuff. Mariah right, with no reboot
3: show. Who? She's- Mara she said that and I might and I'm not quoting her exactly but the gist of what she was saying is she was trying to shop around a movie but they were trying to play her with the money like give me a good amount of money to produce this film and they were trying to play with her so she was just like fuck it
2: shit yeah I mean is someone is there like some black somebody that could take it under their wing and give her like a good Tyler Perry Nah, forget it. Nah, I'd rather not do it. <laughs> fuck that shit. <laughs> yeah, I don't want it then. Fuck it. I don't want it. <laughs> <sighs> Cause that shit's going to turn into girlfriends. <laughs> just, yeah, just let it die. If Tyler Perry going to put his hands on it, just fuck it. Whatever. I don't care. So, Friends, Colleagues, Brothers, originally aired February 26, 2001. Written by Timmy Akinyemi. And uh, we're going to start out. Actually, you're going to start out with this cold Hey, open. hey,
3: hey. So, yeah, Maya, Lynn, and Tony are sitting in 847, and uh, Maya is trying to navigate her fibroids. Yeah. And Maya doesn't want to take medicine,
2: right? She wants to. She's, like, begrudgingly wanting to do it. She knows she has to, but she's not excited about it. So right before she takes it at the table, um, Lynn has a better idea that she can try.
3: Lynn wants her to do some yoga child, (laughs) at the table right there and then so Maya tries it she looks up and then Lynn is like okay what do you see and then Maya is like child the ceilings is all messed up I see health (laughs) codes violations (laughs) and everybody
2: in the restaurant is staring at them do this like what the fuck are they doing over there like this ain't the place really
3: very very awkward very yeah and then we get into
2: yes we do now um that's i think the fibroid thing is gonna come in this is gonna come into handy we haven't seen the i guess a story yet this would be the b story so keep that in mind when you about the yoga and lynn wanting to try to fix her fibroid issue with yoga um do black (laughs) people do yoga like
3: that oh i love hot yoga but it's been oh, closed. I don't know nothing
2: about that. Since Wait, um, hot Hot yoga is
3: actually when you do it in a hot room. Like, it's hot. Like, you are drenched like sauna? in sweat. Yeah, pretty much. Almost.
2: What's the point of that? Just to sweat out all the toxins?
3: Sweat it out. It loosens up your bones. It makes you more flexible. It feels way loosens better than regular ones. I, I, a... I highly recommend it. <laughs> I don't like being hot.
2: <laughs> and I was born in Florida, girl. And I still ain't about to... The... Sweat uh, out my no. weave over the shit. i would
3: I be, I be going right before I gotta get my hair done.
2: See, that's a good idea. Sometimes, I used to go sw- swimming in a pool before I got my hair done, just to kind of get that out of my system. <laughs> I love swimming. I love swimming. I love the water, so. But besides that, we are on this episode uh, starting out at the law firm, and we see we finally get to see Joan's boss, Charles Sweetelson. He's a, a funny side character that'll come and go. Um, mm-hmm. But before that, we see Joan and William. They're giving us a bit of an exposition dump on why they're there in the boardroom today.
0: I am so ready for today's meeting.
1: <laughs> William, psych yourself up all you want. I'm getting the Pembroke case.
0: I don't see how. When I've already secured the power seat, right next to Sweetelson, you got a scoot and a turn away from the jelly donuts.
2: And during this meeting, they'll decide who's going to run point on this case. And Joan is hoping that it's her because she wants to move up to full partner because right now she's junior partner. I guess that's I don't know what the levels mean, but I guess it's more, is more money, money, I guess. Yeah. More responsibilities like any job. And so while they're uh, talking, we realize that there's a seat in the corner of the table that's really important to them. It's like the
3: the money you call it.
2: It's like, yeah, it's like the special seat, like to show that kind of like the um, if you were in class in high school, you have like the brown noser or like the teacher's pet. They would sit in that seat. So William gets the seat. So once they come in, we see Ken Duncan. He's a corny white dude who works with them. He makes really mean jokes. (laughs) He says uh, that he actually went golfing with Sweetelson, So they're pretty close. Him and the boss. And um, he said he's a man for the case. That's why his name is Ken Slam Duncan. But he's a bully. Ken, This Ken guy, he's a bully. And so he wants to get in the special seat. But obviously, William's already there. So Ken looks over at the coffee on the table. He's like, ah, can't start my day without my coffee. But looks like there was only one cup left. And William's like, oh, no, that's mine. That's mine. So he gets up to go get the coffee. William does, and then Ken sits right in his seat.
3: Mm. And William
2: doesn't really fight back on it. He's just like, "Oh, that's Ken." <laughs> Ooh,
3: this is the re- reoccurring theme with Mister William. Yeah,
2: this. Yeah, oh yeah, that's true. He doesn't like to rock the boat. Let me just say that. Oh. Um, but yeah, Ken already had his coffee. He was lying to William the whole time. So, uh, Sweetelson comes in with a few other guys. And they're making jokes. They're, it's very fratty there. It's all mostly men in that boardroom, which is very... White it could be intimidating
3: because they're
2: all going to be talking about, you know, tits and ass and all that stuff and cars. So mm-hmm. basically, that's what the conversation starts with. Um, Sweetelson <laughs> says to Ken, you know, thank you for hooking me up with your sister-in-law. She's hot. And he's like, ah, well, you get tired of her, you can try my wife. Oh. Well, and, damn. <laughs> and William's like, who hasn't? And they start laughing okay. and ripping on each other. And also Ken's brother-in-law got him a new car, like a Jag, a Jaguar, which is going to come into play every now and then in this episode. And Joan's like, yo, like, let's get this started. Let's like, She's the ready to start the this shit. They start opening the floor for like how to, you know, plan of action this case that's coming up, the Pembroke case. And Joan's saying what, you know, they should do, how they should pursue it. Mm-hmm. But they're still talking about the car. Is there any suggestions?
1: Well, the fact that defamation is always difficult to prove works oh, uh, in Oh, by favor, the way, Ken, your brother-in-law set you me
0: up, up a huge stand deal stand on, that on that Jaguar. Well, oh, the convertible, I oh, hope. Of course, man, this is California. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but the most salient point in our favor.
0: Hey, what color did you get? I love that titanium.
1: Clearly, we can prevent this from ever going. Polar,
0: what kind of girly question is that? no all I want to know is. How far back do the front seats (laughs) recline?
1: From what I understand, the opposing counsel is understaffed, which means that we can bury them in discovery.
3: They don't pay attention to what she says because she's a woman and she's black. And they're still on that frat boy bullshit, talking about the car, joking around, doing that shit. Like, can we get the show on the road?
2: And she's talking, but... Every time she tries to get a sentence out, they cut it by talking about the car. Mm-hmm. But she keeps going. She she doesn't stop. Like she gets like three sentences. She gets cut off like three or four times. Mm-hmm. And then once she says her last line, bury it in discovery, then Swiddleston's like, all right, let's get started. What were we go- What were we saying? And she's like, oh, I guess we were talking about your car, like and how far the seats recline. And Swiddleston's like, we're not on that anymore, Joan. Well, then shit. Okay. <laughs> what the fuck? So they start talking about the case, and Ken, Ken Duncan, says what Jones said.
0: Mm-hmm. Right now, we need some strategies on this case. Sir, we can crack this case and still make it to the Laker game tonight. All we have to do is bury them in discovery.
2: He says what she just said while they were talking about the car. And, you know, of course, Ken gets all the credit. Mm-hmm. And he's looked at as the, I guess the he, he's supposed to be... Yeah, he's the brilliant one. He's the second chair on this. So they're like, great, we figured that out. And they go to a second case. And Joan's like, I think I can uh, figure this one out. And she says her part. They cut her off again and say, oh, forget it. Let's just go see the car. So they get
3: up and go see the car. How come y'all ain't want to see it when Joan mentioned it?
2: Right. Is no one cared the few seconds ago that Joan was talking about it. It wasn't, on, we weren't on the car anymore, but now we're back on the car. Like, you get what I'm saying? It just looks, it, it, it kind of like. microaggression It gave me anxiety, you know what I mean, to watch something mm-hmm. like that. So back at home with the girls, Joan mentions that this was the biggest case we've had in two years, and she mm-hmm. needs this case in order to move up the full partner, and she started these dudes just talking over her, treating her like she doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So what does Tony suggest that she do?
3: <laughs> Tony's talking about oh well it's a man's world you gotta use your titties to nail to, to seal the <laughs> seal the deal and she's talking about just like come forward have some cleavage showing and then that that'll get the job done. Lynn is talking about she needs to make her voice lower because in psychology class she read that men register a higher-pitched a higher, a higher pitched voice that's harder to hear, which I don't even know how true that is. So I
1: should talk like
2: this. Yeah, I sound a lot smarter now. I don't know if that's true at all. I didn't look up the, the statistics on that, but I didn't want to know, because that just sounds ridiculous to me. Listeners, know. if y'all want to check it up, go Google that shit, whatever. Keep going, Etsy. Right,
3: that sounds like some, some made-for-TV shit. And then <laughs> Maya is like, which, I mean, I think she had the best one, where she was like, listen, you got to go out there gun, guns blazing and then Joan is like well they're gonna tell me I'm the angry black woman dah, 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 dah. And Maya's like okay that's what they say about me too but I still get shit done they know not to touch exactly. my coffee they know not to try a bitch Like that's just what they know to is. have what my copies do? on time the way
2: I want them exactly <laughs> that's how it works when you're in these corporate settings sometimes like the, if you're too nice they see that as a weakness so it's like Absolutely. oh, we don't gotta even listen to this person that's what happened in that boardroom they were just like, eh, whatever. It's Joan. She's nice. She's not even gonna be mad if we interrupt her or whatever.
3: It's um, super weird too. It's like, okay, you want, you think I'm the angry black woman, but when I'm nice, you don't, quote unquote, reward her for it. Yeah. So, girl, that's just the name of the game.
2: It's it's kind of like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like, that's that's true as a, you know, as a black person in general. I mean, you know, you can protest your rights, but. Not peacefully, but not out in the streets either. It's like, Mm -hmm. how do you want me to do this? Like, there's no way to do it the right way. There's always someone that's going to be mad or some other person that's going to complain about however you do it. So Mm -hmm. you just got to kind of read the room and decide what's going to give you the best result. Mm -hmm. Tony mentions that her ass sets are her secret weapons. And Joan makes a really good point. She mentions that she already has a secret weapon.
1: I have a secret weapon. It's called a law degree from UCLA.
2: I like that line a lot. <laughs> okay. Come Joan Clayton. That's why we go and get that, that education, so that we can be in these spaces and move up and everything like that. That is a weapon.
3: Okay. So tell me about yoga. So when we are in yoga with Maya, Tony and Lynn Maya's not feeling this yoga teacher he's a male yoga teacher and rightfully so because as soon as she walks in he's trying to touch her cop feel mm-hmm. it's just very trying to touch her boobies and shit and it's just like you know what it reminds me of y'all ever watch that episode of Three's Company? you watch Jenny- Three's Company? No. no 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 do hell yeah you
2: older than my parents? <laughs> <laughs> that's my mommy used to watch as a kid anyway go ahead go ahead
3: but yeah any of y'all who watched three's company knows the episode that i'm talking about where janet was at some type of like dance space and then the instructor he was trying to fill up on her and then she has to tell him off like boy get the fuck off me yeah this is what this reminds me of like to a t so maya tells the girls, listen i'm not feeling this guy i think that he's a creep And then they're pretty much like, "Um, no, girl, he's gay. So don't mind his touchy-feely. That's just what he does, which I don't know any gay men that do that. Good.
2: Because I was like, I thought I was the only one that was like, first off, even if he is gay, like, bitch, don't touch me. I don't give a fuck if you're gay, straight, trans, a banana, fucking you like green eggs and ham. I don't give a fuck. Don't Mm -hmm. touch me on my ass. Don't touch me on my boobs.
3: I'm confused,
2: especially like the part where she has to go up to, to the front of the class and talk about her injury or whatever, and then he uses her as the model of how to do the moves,
3: mm-hmm. and he's
2: touching her right in front of the class, like he's like getting close to her danger zone and all that mm-hmm. stuff. She tells Philip, and Philip's like, "Lynn, what kind of negative energy did you bring to my class?" And Lynn's like, "Oh, don't worry, I'll talk to her. I'm trying to flip it. You guys got to be on Maya's side. Why are you on Philip's side about this? They think you know? he's gay."
3: Like, I don't, I don't give a fuck. I don't I don't give a fuck. He's still touching her inappropriately. And he's trying to flip it. talking about, oh, uh, what type of negative energy? Nigga, if you
2: don't get your ass, I would have left the class. Like, the fuck? I would have left the class. You don't talk to me like that. Like, don't call. Don't say that in front of me. Like, I'm just overreacting to you touching certain parts of my body. I just met you. Right. And then the girls, the girls disappointed me on that one. They should have been in Maya's corner.
0: That's your problem, Maya. You're so filled with negativity. You're suspicious of everyone. You see conspiracy in everything. Who told you that?
3: <laughs>
0: okay, but you're never going to get rid of your fibroid if you continue to be this stressed, so just go back to your mat and open yourself up to a new
2: experience, okay? All right, listen. Huh? <laughs> there is other ways. Oh Come on. My
3: gosh. Like, if we going not shut the fuck up. I oh, was so disappointed. Getting your mind right. Ho. mm
2: and so, yeah, they do say that he's gay, and that kind of calms uh, Maya down a bit. And she continues the class. He says, uh, all right, great, let's get started. We're going to try a little Kundalini. And Maya's like, oh, hell no. I only do that with my husband. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> kundalini, she thought he said cunnilingus, which is like man-to-woman oral sex, but he meant Kundalini, which is... um like a yoga position so that was funny so we're back at the law firm in the boardroom and Joan is actually the first person there she's trying to get you know a leg up on this shit she Mm -hmm. realizes what happened yesterday was pretty messed up so she's like it's not gonna happen again so she takes the seat which is typically reserved for Sweetelson's number two and then Ken comes in and tries to get her to leave the seat and he's like hey uh, I think your assistant's looking for you and she's like I'm not getting up I'm not leaving the seat. So when she says this, Mm -hmm. he responds with, oh, that's right. must be that time of month. She's like, you know what? How about this? You don't talk about my period, and I won't talk about your missing testicle. Okay. Why does it always have to be that with men when we get assertive about what we want?
3: Mm -hmm. Oh, it must be your period. Even if I am, I still ain't getting up. So how about that?
2: (laughs) Right. i would be like, yeah, it probably is. But guess what? It's still my seat. It's still my motherfucking seat. So William comes in. He tries to get Joan out of the seat, too, but he knows not to press her any further once she says no. So he moves to the opposite seat across from her. And then Sweetelson comes in, and they're about to start the meeting, and they've brought special counsel to help out with the Pembroke case. Johnny Cochran. And it is not Johnny Cochran, but (laughs) it is his adversary, Mr. Christopher fucking Darden. (laughs) <laughs> wow, it's actually him too Not a, not mm-hmm. someone playing him, it's actually him <laughs> If you don't know Christopher Darden is from the OJ Simpson case He was part of the prosecutorial team Him and Marsha Clark Which is really interesting Because Most black people don't like this dude Or they didn't like him Because he was against OJ He was trying to get OJ put in jail For murder mm-hmm. And people thought he was cooning for the white man
3: <laughs> Mm-hmm.
2: By going against OJ, but he's, they brought him as a special guest on this black show. So awesome.
3: Yeah, I mean, they, they were ahead of their time then. Cause now it's like, oh yeah, that nigga, he kind of deserved their shit. Ooh.
2: I think, I think <laughs> with the whole OJ thing, I think everybody always knew he did it. Even black people. I just think that black people were just like, yeah, nah, I mean, the cops kill black people all the time. Like, okay. Oh yeah, so I'm saying, they don't be going to jail for the shit. So I think that's what it was. But uh, Christopher Darden is here as he's special co-counsel on the Pembroke case. And Sweetelson makes Joan get up from that that special seat to give it to Christopher Darden, which makes sense. So Joan Mm -hmm. doesn't fight it. She gets up. And as she gets up, Sweetelson introduces Joan as one of the bright young associates of the firm. Mm -hmm. And she has to remind him, uh, you know I'm junior partner now, right? And he's like, really? When did that happen? And she's like, six months ago when you promoted me.
3: Like, um, yeah, nigga.
2: The fuck? He's like, I should probably ease up on the Viagra and bump up my ginkgo biloba. Okay, that's <laughs> fucked up. That's fucked up. He doesn't remember promoting you? <sighs> so he doesn't even value her. He doesn't value that this is a person that he thought good enough to promote. He forgot all about it.
3: How do you forget that you gave somebody a promotion, though? I kind of felt like that was... That didn't fit in to... How do you forget that?
2: I don't know. You got a lot of people that... You got a lot of workers. Maybe the promotion didn't mean that much to you anyway. So you're just like, oh, I didn't realize I promoted you. That's right. That's right. I don't know. Mm. And he's older. So, you know, they forget stuff. Mm. I guess. But Joan looks pissed when she sits down because of this interaction. Mm -hmm. But they start the, the meeting. Chris sits down and opens up by making jokes to break the ice. They're terrible jokes, terrible, about wanting autographs, people yeah, tipping your waitress. (laughs) So what they're doing is they're going to have, I guess, Sweetelson and then Chris as special counsel for the case. But they need some other co-counsel for this case. So he's going to open up the floor to hear how anyone would strategize. Mm -hmm. Uh, this case to see who would be the best person to add to the team. So this publishing company called Pembroke defamed a councilman, Councilman Richards. Mm
3: -hmm. So
2: Joan jumps in and starts off with her plan of attack. So as she's saying this, William interrupts her and says that exact thing.
1: Mr. Darden, there would be no defamation if we could build a case proving that Councilman Richards habitually engaged. I got
0: it. It's a no brainer. There's no defamation if the story is actually true. See, so if we hire a private investigator to look into the councilman's past relationships with his office staff, we might be able to prove the statements Pembroke published were actually true.
3: William, William, William. So,
2: initially, it looks like he just interrupted her on some immature shit. He just jumped in mm-hmm. and started talking and cut her off. What what did you think about that when you saw it? Like when you first watched it?
3: Um, I thought that that was William being a man, mm-hmm. cutting off a woman, like they usually do. That he
2: saw Joan talking was just like, nah, whatever. I'm, just, I'm gonna take my opportunity, and yeah. talk louder than her. Yeah, me too. When he cut her off, I was like, is he just trying to like get a? Because there's a celebrity lawyer in the room. He's trying to make himself look good over Joan right now, even though they're friends. And ain't yeah. no
3: friends in this game, Joan. You finna learn that real quick. Yeah she's about to learn so
2: this happened and swedelson and darden are very impressed by william's insight and they give him that second chair he's gonna be the co-counsel on this case and joan's like nah fuck that shit that was not william's
1: brilliant strategy okay that was my brilliant strategy
0: easy
2: there joan
1: i should be second chair not him joan what don't joan me I am tired of being cut off and dismissed and ignored by all the men in this room, day after day, especially by you, William. You, of all people, should know better. This is the last time, okay? I will not tolerate this
2: anymore. She goes the fuck off. Mm-hmm. She goes the fuck off. She tied. She just, it was like a buildup of anger that just, ugh, you could just see it in the way she was like, almost like you could see like a vein popping out of her head, like it was mm-hmm. just like in her neck. Whew. And she appeals to the other woman in the room. A white woman. Yeah, the white woman. And we didn't even see her. I didn't notice she was there.
3: Child. But
2: she stayed quiet. She looked She looked down. She said, <laughs> bitch,
3: you on your own. Like, black women, you cannot find allyship with white women. Okay? Yeah, there's no you, reason. You're not going to find it. So if you think you're you, you, you walking walk into a group of men... Especially if they're white and you see a white woman and y'all are the only two women. They will pick race before gender. Don't ever get it confused. These bitches are not your friends. Continue.
2: Um, And William stays silent in this moment. He looks completely shocked by this outburst. And he does not stick up for his girl. He just sits there quiet as well. So she storms out and she's almost in tears. You can hear it in her voice. Mm Mm-hmm when she leaves the room ken duncan's like oh it's my fault guys i'm sorry i should have warned you it's her lady time and they're all like oh okay okay like what like stuff like that that's where that toxic environment that should that be classified under like sexual harassment or is that not or is that gender harassment i
3: don't know if it's sexual it's definitely under harassment though but it's not sexual maybe gender Something like that. Something
2: like that. There's no reason that even your boss is laughing at that joke.
3: <laughs> hmm Hostile work environment. Something. Something. I'm like, what can you what can you go to HR about with this? Child, HR white man too. We ain't gonna give a fuck.
2: You on your own, baby girl. Do you think that's the case? Girl, yes! So not so no one's gonna help this woman. Girl, no! You think girl? Well then, I walk that back, Joan. Don't go to HR. Just just tough it out, figure it out.
3: HR gonna go back to your boss and be like, "Ooh, this is what she said." Stop. Yeah, and
2: then they'll be like, "Okay, Joan, can you come in here?" Uh, we're gonna and to then he's go. gonna start treating you. Yeah, that's what they do. Damn. HR. That's fucked up, bro. That's fucked up. So by the way, I love Joan's outfit here, and I love her hair. She really had like the best outfit to really knock this out of the park, and they would not even allow her. To ain't gonna do let that. her be
3: great fashionable yeah she was
2: ready she had she was there early on time she had the seat she had her notes ready it's just didn't work out for her William's a fucking punk
3: (laughs) Mm -mm -mm -mm. William is a white
2: woman (laughs) yeah I mean I understand at the end of the day like like it's all for yourself and you want to make sure you're eating at the end of the day because if there's one spot for co-counsel you're not going to be like, well, you know, let my friend get it. I don't want to get it. Because at the end of the day, it's all about trying to make sure you're you're getting up in the world. But you want to make sure you're respecting people on a human level, too.
3: Right. And it's also like, okay, do you ever cut the white men off like you do her? No. Do you ever do that? He know how to respect the white boys. Yeah. Huh. Good
2: point. Yeah, the corporate world is very cutthroat. So by the end of the... Well, we'll get there when we get there, when they argue. <laughs> So they're at Joan's office, and she's telling Maya what happened, and she's venting. Joan uh, feels like she gave away her power because she cried in the meeting, and... She didn't cry. I mean,
3: she, her voice started to crack up. Yeah, she, she was about to, but she didn't cry. She was about to, though. But
2: you know, as soon as dudes hear that, even that small crack of your voice, they're like, oh, she was crying. Mm-hmm. Like, women will probably be like, nah, she wasn't really crying, but a dude...
3: Oh, bunch yeah, of, gonna, a room gonna, full of men? Trying to make it look like you're so... They were talking about when she left.
2: They were probably like, oh, did y'all hear her crying? Whatever. So Maya's like, I don't think you ever had the power.
1: It's all because of William. I never expected this from him. Why? He's one of them. No, he's one of us. And he should have chosen his race over his gender. Honey, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that William's a Republican. This is George W's America, honey. Wake up and smell the whiskey. He's one
2: of them. Republicans don't like women. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they don't respect women.
3: <laughs> Democrats don't either, but that's a whole other discussion. It's a different way. We ain't even finna go into that.
2: But I think when it comes to the ideas, to women's ideas, they look at them like, oh, a woman doesn't know how to run this case. We're going to let a woman like be counsel on this case that's really important to our firm? No. Mm-hmm. it's a man's job. So... Maya gives her the strength to stop hiding in her office and she said, you got to go out there and show yourself to be a strong individual and don't let them intimidate you Mm -hmm. and hold on to your job because Maya doesn't want to lose her health insurance. She can't afford that. (laughs)
3: Because once a white nigga come in
2: here, Maya knows she's out. So, girl, (laughs) I'd be forgetting that if Joan gets fired, then Maya gets fired. Girl. Maya can't just be
3: somebody else's assistant? I mean, she can, but you know they're not going to let. A white boy is, no. She's going to be gone, too. They're going to find another reason. They're not going to, they're going to try to make it look like it's not because of Joan, but they're going to find another reason to fire her a little after. You know how they do. It's like that, yeah. Like, da da like that, y'all. So how you know so much about
2: what goes on in the office and how it works structurally? <laughs> You know, been there, done that. Uh, Done them things. Dang, it sounds so bleak. Yeah, it beats like that, child. So while uh, Joan is leaving her office to go back into the boardroom, William is actually already walking to Joan's office. She's like, William, can I talk to you? And he's like, okay. He walks in silently. And once the door is closed, he says, you know, I'm just going to stop the whole rigmarole and just accept your apology. Hmm? Oh, damn. One thing niggas <laughs> got is audacity. Oh, they never run out of audacity. I'll tell you, that. All I tell you what. All motherfucking audacity. I was just like, damn, the boldness, though. To even start mm-hmm. the conversation off. If you really think she's going to apologize to you, just let her apologize. Just mm-hmm. stand there. Why even say that? So Jones like, wait, you owe me an apology, actually. And he's like, oh, what? Oh, what? So <laughs> William describes how he saw the situation happen. This is when the lines kind of got blurred for me. Because he felt like the victim in that situation. He felt like the victim. He said that she embarrassed him in front of Christopher Darden and Swedelson, And he didn't understand why. So she said, well, you stole my idea. And you talked over me. He's like, I didn't hear you talking. Because I'm a woman. And I'm thinking... Okay, so I rewatched the episode, and when you, in that scene, when Joan's talking, William's not paying attention. He's looking down in a way like, like he's thinking of what he's going to say. And then all of a sudden he's like, I got it. And then he starts to talk. So it's not like he was like, oh, Joan's talking, I got to get my word in. He literally was so busy thinking about what he was going to say, that he then looks up when he gets it and goes, I got it, it's a no-brainer. Did you notice that?
3: Um... No, but I feel like if someone else was talking, would he have made an effort to at least try to hear them out? See, that's the thing with this whole culture is that it's so insidious that you don't even realize that you're doing it where mm-hmm. you see someone talking. That's a woman, a black woman, because I do think race has a lot to do with it in this situation, in every situation. And you're just like, OK, I ain't going to pay attention. <laughs> And while you're not paying attention, you're going to repeat what the fuck they said. Exactly.
2: In that situation, even though he wasn't listening, the reason he did not hear her or wasn't listening is because it was a woman's voice. Mm -hmm. If it was a man's voice, he would have snapped out of that and heard that man's voice. Mm -hmm. But I feel like men sometimes tune out a woman's voice as a almost white noise.
3: Oh, that's not important. So I don't need to hear it. Yeah. So
2: I don't need to pay attention. I'm just looking down or on my phone or whatever, you know? And so that would have contributed to why he wasn't listening in that moment. And he says, You know, I didn't hear you. He was like, Why wouldn't you give me the benefit of the doubt? Basically, why would you just think that I just talked over you to just be an asshole?
3: Because you're a nigga.
2: Yeah, and ain't no friends in this shit. Well, she didn't say it. She didn't call him a nigga, but he called himself one. <laughs> I like that part. And she's like, Why should I give you the benefit of the doubt? And he says, because I'm your friend. And Joan's like, I thought we were more than friends. Like, we're the only two black attorneys at this firm. We should be sticking
3: up for each other. Pause. And, yeah. (sighs) Not to get into it again, but this is the same thing that I have to say. It's just flipped. Black women, when you go into these situations with these men, And you see a black man there. Everybody that's your skin folk ain't your kin folk. Okay? Black Mm. men do use their male privilege to get ahead, even when they're black. So, don't think that just because you see another black man, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, it's about to be Malcolm X and this motherfucker. Girl, you on your own. (laughs) The same way. (laughs) The same way you saw that white girl and you thought, oh, yeah, girl power. Girl, you on your own. Okay? (laughs) Okay? I agree.
2: (laughs) I've noticed that with a lot of things. Black men, women's rights and things like that, they are a man first.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. It don't matter, child.
2: It's just like in sports. When you see, like, I don't know, sometimes men see women coming up in sports, like, that are male-dominated, like, coaches or, like, refs and things like that. And they will be like, oh, it's women. They shouldn't be in sports or... I remember I went to a bar once a few years back and I like watching football. I'm from the South, so we watch football. That's what we do. It's like a religion. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I used to go to bars to watch football and one and this guy came up to the bar to try to talk to me and he's like, oh, so what are you doing here today? I'm like, oh, I'm watching the, the Florida-Miami game. He's like, you like football? I'm like, yeah. He's like,
3: but you a female though. I was like... A female? Am I an animal yeah. motherfucker? I'm a woman.
2: I was like, Stupid. yeah, but I, I like football. I'm from the South. We watch football. They try to find a way to make sure that you know that they are above you almost. Like,
3: mm-hmm. trying to subtly put you in your place. Like,
2: right. I'm trying to tell no. you that this isn't where, this isn't your space. You shouldn't be in the space. Why are you in the space?
3: Mm-hmm. Where we usually,
2: you know, us men come to bars to watch football. Why are you here doing that?
3: You know? While, while simultaneously trying to get in your pants. Exactly. So, I totally
2: get what you just said and it does make a lot of sense that I experienced that but William's like oh so I cut you off one time and all of a sudden I'm the house nigger
3: William you been the house nigger
2: he says oh the way he talks too <laughs> he <laughs> was do, his yeah. argument <laughs> but he says it with the ER he leans into the ER of course which I'm surprised they could say that shit on I thought that too I, I was said- like shit oh. Can you do that now in 2021? The
3: FCC ain't, they ain't, they ain't catch that or they ain't catch it because of the black network.
2: I think also maybe that. And it's just back in the day, you could get away with a lot more stuff. Now everybody's like sensitive and stuff, so you can't say certain things. <laughs> but yeah, I was surprised they left that in. Wow. They do the scene with, with Joan where she's fighting with her friends a lot.
3: Mm hmm. She in had a office. similar
2: moment with um, Maya and Lynn too in mm-hmm. her house. And it's good, because it shows the dynamic of these friendships, and, you know, a lot of friendships have fights like this, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you got to figure out how to move forward after these... These fights are tough, too, because, like, the one with Maya, I was like, I don't even know if y'all can be friends after that. After you called her classes and egregious, and she hood-shamed you. <laughs> and then the same, <laughs> the same with William, like, I don't know if y'all can repair this shit. <laughs> and then Lynn was talking about, yo... You ever thought the reason you can't get a man is because there's something wrong with you? I don't even know if we can come back from that, Lynn. You might have to get out of my house never see me. <laughs> That's
3: why she <laughs> like, did. Like, you can't be that at nobody's house and thinking, you finna stay, girl. You need to go over yeah. the, uh, to Tony's. Like, a
2: lot of these, these fights are like, oh, how are y'all going to get over this? But they do. But when uh, Joan called William House nigger, well, she didn't really call him that, but he called himself that.
3: Mm -hmm. she
2: says well let's just say I wouldn't ask you to be my lookout on the Underground Railroad
3: okay (laughs) well damn
2: shit got real (laughs) I was like shit and the audience laughed too it was a serious scene until she said that and the audience laughed and so he says you know when I come into this office I don't come into this office as a black man I come in the office as an attorney with merits and He's basically saying, like, yo, you got to figure it out. You can't can't be a sore loser.
3: And in this business, they're competitors. They're not teammates. It's hard. It's hard. Nah, they're competitors. They're not teammates. But that's not what she's saying. And he's trying to make it into some type of shit where it's like, oh, you want me to be soft on you? No, I actually want you to treat me the same. The fact is that you're treating me worse than everybody else. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to flip it into some shit that it ain't. That's the issue.
2: And he's also saying, like... He's trying to make it seem like Jonas asking him to get her in these positions. Like, you know, you gotta put in a good word for me. It seems like that's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. He thinks she's saying, but he's like, "No, nah, you gotta, you gotta learn how to navigate these waters and these spaces, like I did. I learned. Tell a few jokes.
3: She did try to tell a few jokes. They wasn't trying. She to did, hear and it. she
2: was shut down. They shut so, her down. So
3: the fuck is she talking? You know, about she's
2: trying. And he's just like, you know what, you embarrass, he's like, you embarrassed me in front of Swiddleston and Darden. And he felt like she was making fun of him in front of him. (laughs) But I don't know, man, it's it's the law. It's a law world. I don't know anything about it. I guess it's cutthroat from what I see on this show.
3: It's definitely cutthroat.
2: Especially as a black woman. You're a double minority. It's going to be that way.
3: You ain't got no friends, girl. And white bitches are not your friends. The niggas are not your friends.
2: friends. <laughs> you have to be cutthroat because no one else is going to look out for you, Joan. So I get, I get, I kind of get both of their arguments, but I feel like Joan, Joan has a more sound argument.
3: Yeah, his shit. He's trying to gaslight her. His yeah. his rebuttals are just gaslighting, and he knows that. He just likes to play dumb like a lot of these other niggas do. You know exactly. <laughs> you know exactly what she means. You know exactly what she's talking about. You just don't want to take accountability. That's what it is.
2: So, speaking of accountability, we're back at yoga
3: hey. with Philip. Oh.
2: <sighs> Philip, Philip. He's uh, ending the class by telling everybody, Namaste. Maya says, Who's Nama and why she got to stay? <laughs> <laughs> That was,
3: that was
2: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Lynn says, "You know, it means the class is over and we're in a state of peace." And that's when Maya goes up and apologizes to Philip about getting off on the wrong foot. And basically, she's like, "You know, I didn't know you were gay, so we didn't." She didn't say that. She says, "I didn't know your special circumstances or something like that." And he's like, "It's okay." And he hugs her and rubs her butt mm. while he hugs her. Mm-hmm. And then Maya suggests to Philip that he go on a date with her cousin Ronnie who owns the hair salon situations we'll see a lot of that hair salon later on but based on what I know about Ronnie I don't think it would be a good fit do you remember Ronnie? um
3: yeah that ghetto ass boy he was real hood right? (laughs) why would you say he's ghetto? he was real ghetto Chad I remember he's he's different Er, he Uh, was
2: urban? urban that's a good one I like that word
3: (laughs) that's the word the whites use.
2: Um Philip says, you know, I'm not gay actually. She's like, "Yeah, you are." And the rest of the girls are like, "Yeah, you are." He's like, "No, I'm not. I'm not gay." And Tony's like, "Of course you are, Philip. I mean, look
3: at you. You flit around the room like a May breeze." <laughs> <laughs> she says, "I mean, look at you." <laughs>
2: She's so, I love, I love the way she said that. She's so blunt. Is that it? She's so <laughs> like, just, that's so sad. Cause he's like, I'm not gay, but look at you. Come on. <laughs> so the word gets around the class that he's not gay because Maya makes an announcement and she's like, he's been touching on women the whole time. And here's my thing. You call him a pervert. He's been a pervert the whole time. He's been mm-hmm. rubbing on everyone's butts. He picked Tony's wedgie at the beginning of the episode. He reached in and pulled it out.
3: Mm. Mm-mm. That's nasty. Like,
2: just because he's gay, I mean, fine, whatever you you want to use to make yourself feel better about the situation, but nah, nah, he shouldn't be touching you like that. That's deep, deep there in the in the crack. Mm-mm. But they all run out. They're all upset, and he's like, "No, no, don't leave." He's telling everybody not to leave, and Maya says. I'm good friends with Christopher Darden and there's going to be some consequences. And that's when Lynn also says that my, my best friend's a lawyer. So they might be suing Philip and his yoga studio. Okay. So he's like, no, 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 actually I am gay. It's a misunderstanding. So he tries to walk it back. still, you can't touch people. Mm -hmm. So they run out and they leave and we're back at the boardroom. And Joan comes in with a pep in her step. And she's making jokes about hitting Sweetelson's car when she came in. That's why she's late. But she's kidding. Uh, So she's trying to start it off with a joke, like William said. She's trying to be more jokey, because that's the culture that she's in when she goes to the boardroom. And she apologizes to everyone for her outburst. And I kind of feel some type of way about this.
1: Um, I'd like to move to strike my previous outburst from the record. Counselor was under duress, and I got a little... It's, what's the legal term?
0: I believe it's a uh, crybaby. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: anyway, <clears throat> I throw myself at the mercy of the court.
0: Motion granted.
3: Yeah. Do you think That's she should have? Like, I mean, judging by their reaction, I don't even think they took it that serious. Because when the old boy said, oh, well, she's on her period, it was just like, oh, okay, mm, whatever. So, yeah, But she, didn't but she wasn't that. in the
2: room when that happened.
3: Yeah. Um,
2: I, I just don't, I mean, fine, apologize for interrupting or storming out, but I, I don't know, I it just feels like you're laying down and you're just waving the white flag for these people. Mm-hmm. When you're in the right. Yeah. There's things that need to be changed about the structure of what goes on in this boardroom. And you shouldn't just be like, well, oh, I'm sorry about my outburst. Just forget it happened. Move to strike and all that stuff. No, we need to talk about what happened instead of just laying down and apologizing about for it because it'll never be addressed otherwise but mm-hmm. whatever this is where you work I don't work there so you know William accepts her apology by saying motion granted I don't like that the yeah. jargon. Um, so now they're talking about a, a new case and Joan decides to ask to speak first and she's she's granted that now as she starts to talk she's interrupted by Ken again he's a problem He's definitely a problem. Mm-hmm. And that's when William calls him out and says, oh, wait, wait, wait.
0: Uh, Ken, I think Joan was talking just then. We should really make an effort to hear what everyone has to say.
2: And Ken's basically like, fuck you. And he keeps talking. He keeps talking and saying his point. And at that point, Joan lowers her voice like this to talk like that. And then Sweetelson looks over at her like, are you OK? <laughs> and she's like, well, yeah, now that I've got your attention. And it's funny because Lynn did say that that works. But why she got to talk different to get people's, to get respect? (laughs) Yeah.
3: She doesn't alter her voice? That's what it is. I'm glad I don't talk hard. They they
2: give her the floor when she does this. And she goes into what she was saying and how they can win the case. There was a a similar case that won previously. And they had the same judge overseeing this case. So, uh, Swedelson's like, okay, well, you've done your research. He's very impressed by her. And gives her second chair on the case.
3: Finally. Which is
2: what she wanted. And she does the uh, fourth wall break and says, hey, what the hell? I may as well try. And then she kind of does the lean in (laughs) that that Tony taught (laughs) her. And the pouty lips. And she's like, actually, I believe I'm ready for first chair. And he he actually looks down at her boobs, I think. And Mm -hmm. says, great argument, but you're still second chair. (laughs) And that's the end of that scene hmm. So they're in the office, Maya and Joan, they're recapping everything. And she's like, looks like we won for today. And, she, and Joan's like, actually, women won't be winning until they're ruling the world. Mm-hmm. And then we get this thing.
3: It's a dream sequence where there's a utopia of some sort where they're in the, the boardroom. And it's a bunch of women. And they're pretty much going down all the stats that happen. So there's no world hunger. Everyone has health insurance. There's no wars. Crime is down. And every other major problem in the world has been turned around. Yeah.
2: And President Hillary Clinton is in office. Which, that
3: that <laughs> kind of n- aged well, but not really.
2: Oh, it could have, but it just didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the law firm in this dream sequence is called Clayton Wilkes & Associates. Huh. Maya. How did Maya get up in there?
3: Oh, no, child. Maya done. She done climbed her way to the top. Go ahead,
2: Maya. Yeah. Okay. And so there's one guy in the room, and it's Ken, and he's taking notes feverishly for these women. Mm-hmm. Looking like a little bitch. <laughs> And Maya mentions it may be time to let the men out of the camps for a little while because she wants to get a little something, some, even though she <laughs> loves sisterhood. <laughs> and as cute as that is, I was like, men are in camps, so why is why is Ken in the corner taking
3: notes? Because he's being used as a note taker.
2: I'd rather put his ass in a camp. That dude sucks.
3: All right, why are we giving him put that his privilege? Ass in a
2: fucking camp. Um okay. Tell me about your oh hell yes moment. My oh hell yes was Joan
3: with the with the slave <laughs> with the slave references when she was going back and forth with William it was when she said that that underground railroad shit. I said yes, Joan, that was a good one. <laughs> you better check him on his coonery. I was here for that. Yes, that
2: was good because I don't think I would trust William to be a lookout. Because he would just tell Massa.
3: Absolutely. He's trying to be
2: the house nigga. You know what I mean? So he's mm-hmm. going to be like, well, let me tell on everybody. No, yeah. My oh, hell yes moment is when they were in the boardroom and Ken interrupted Joan. And then William's like, wait, Ken, I believe Joan was talking. We should make an effort to listen to everyone. Mm-hmm. See, I like that because... Even though Ken didn't listen, everybody else in that boardroom heard that and they're like, shit, Dent is sticking up for Joan. We respect Dent. So if he's going to stick up for Joan, maybe we should kind of like chill a little bit. I think it
3: registered to them. Do you think? I think that just like we shouldn't give treats to fish for swimming, we shouldn't (laughs) give... (laughs) niggas pats on the back for being a decent human being like that's everybody is in this room for a reason so we should hear what everyone has to say like you're not finna get a round of applause for that shit but okay within within the context it's a step up yeah i guess
2: we have to applaud someone taking that step up to the next step because you could step down and just be like fuck you joan i'm gonna talk over you again even though we had this conversation yesterday in front of all these people, I'm about to dish you again. But he decided to go the other way and cut Ken off, who's probably the strongest personality in that room. Is he the strongest, though?
3: Maybe the most annoying? Shh. I don't even want Something. to give him all of that.
2: Strongest as in, the like, most when he talks, people stop talking. He's the one that bullies everyone. He's the he's like the, the mean high school quarterback as opposed to the nerdy chess member. I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's why I felt like, oh hell yes, when William said that. So, next episode is called The Declaration of Lynn Dependence. Okay, Lynn about to have her own episode. Okay. I like how they said Lynn Dependence because it it sounds like independence, but it's spelled Lynn Dependence, Dependence, like she's dependent on people. And so, that will be next week. I kind of know what it's about, but I eh, haven't watched it in forever. So uh, we'll talk about that next week. And be a subby, Subscribe, rate, and review us on wherever you listen to us because we rock. <laughs> Thank you guys for being here once again. Join us next week, and we will see you when we see you. Bye.